people. Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here, here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact their world for Christ. So here's what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe that there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Hallelujah. Glory to your precious name. Come on, thank you. Thank you. I just want to say bye bye. Worship him. I just want to say bye bye. Sing it one more time. We want to say it to your holy name. Father, thank you for another week. Thank you for the end of one week and thank you for the beginning of another week. We give you all the praise. I want you to open your mouth and let him know you're grateful. Father, we do not take for granted your goodness. We acknowledge your goodness in our life and in our midst as a people, as individuals, as families, as a church. Thank you for the beginning of another week. We celebrate you because you are good and your mercy ever endures forevermore. Thank you. Thank you for protection. Thank you for provision. Thank you for always being there for us. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you for another opportunity, another day, another week to know you, to serve you, and to grow in the knowledge of you. Glory to God. Thank you. Open your mind and thank him. Thank him. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Beloved Father, we say thank you. Thank you for last week. Thank you for everything that you did. Thank you for the beginning of another week. Your word says in all things give thanks. So we give you thanks for the beginning of another week. In the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? amen. If we are in agreement on that, can you say amen? amen? Father, we do not take for granted your goodness in our life, in our family, in our midst. There are many who passed on last week, but we are not on the list and we cannot be on the list. Not because you have respect of persons, but we thank you for what you have shown us, what you are teaching us, what you are equipping us in this house. For months, you've been unfolding the revelation of faith, both the Sunday and the weekly service. Strengthening, fortifying, equipping our faith walk and foundation in you. Because you said without faith we can please you. And you've been teaching us how to please you by faith. Through the understanding of the word that you've been given to us. Father, we come to say thank you. We'll return the, if we're in agreement, you say amen. amen. Lord, we've come to return the glory to you in Jesus' name. We thank you because we sense greatness. This morning, Father, I sensed in my spirit that a portal of joy has been opened. And I begin to celebrate and thank you. Glory to God. Indeed, this is a year of knowing and walking in the joyful sound. 
and living and walking in the light of your countenance. So we thank you, O God. We bless you because you are good and your mercy endureth forevermore. We'll return all the glory and honor back to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We'll reject the spirit of heaviness. We'll reject every form of ingratitude. And we'll lay it to our to always say thank you. Thank you in the name of Jesus. As we're about to hear your word again, thank you for another opportunity to grow in the knowledge of you and in your grace concerning our lives, Father. Have your way and have your say today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody say good amen. You're blessed. Please have your seat. Hallelujah. Just a, uh, an announcement. Um, our convention, you know, I just this morning, I was going through some of the lists. Um, we just shifted it a week. It's not going to be 19th to 21st of November. Praise the Lord. So we're going to do some meeting with all the heads of the department when we're done praying today. Um, there'll be normal prayers, 30 minutes. Then after the minutes, we'll do a prayer. Uh, it's a very short meeting concerning the convention um, so we can plan and have an idea of what we're doing this year. Praise the name of the Lord. I said praise the name of the Lord. In addition to the convention, we're also going to be having our Night of Judah, which will be a concert of gratitude. Say amen. Hallelujah. Are you excited? Are you excited? All right. Um, also, we're going to start believing God and planning towards your convention. You know, we normally uh, encourage everybody to give towards the convention. So by next Sunday, we'll do that. Um, everybody should come ready to make a commitment. Settle in your heart what should be given. Uh, we'll let you know after the meeting today an idea of what the budget will look like um, after the meeting today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Are you ready for the word of God? Now, this is a suit that I used to be big in. One of the disadvantages of losing weight is that all my clothes, after, after I'm looking for the one I can wear. So it's not, it now looks as if they, somebody dashed me the suit. It's not so. I just reduced. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Um, we've been talking about um, stages of preparations for the faith life. Any serious-minded believer must not play with his faith life. One of the reasons many believers in the body of Christ today are relating with God with a trial and error mindset. You know, experiment. The way they deal with God, it's like an, somebody making an experiment to see whether it will work out. No. Walking with God is a certainty. Say amen. Did you hear what I said? Walking with God is what? Is certain. Is certain. Or walking with God is a certainty. You, you, when you deal with God, you're not dealing with a guesswork. That's why he gave us faith. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if there is any foundation you must have right, it's in the era of your faith in God. Say amen. And unfortunately, many believers are not grounded when it comes to the subject of faith. And that's why they struggle in a lot of areas of their life. You need to know how to walk with God. And you can only do that by faith. All right, so we said there are preparations we need to constantly expose our faith to in order for us to fulfill destiny. We've gone through the statutory preparation. We started looking at seasonal preparation, what it is, and we've gone through some foundations. We looked at the primary purpose, um, our primary purpose in Christ, which we said is foundational to all our dealings with God. And that primary purpose is to be conformed into what is image. Everybody says image. Your primary assignment, or not assignment, but purpose. All right, assignments are meant to serve purpose. But your primary purpose as a born again believer, please understand this. 
This is what you are supposed to be looking forward to every day. Your primary purpose as a born-again believer is to be changed into his image. The word confirm means to become the same or to be similar or to have the same form, to think like him, to act like him, to behave like him, to speak like him. That's your primary assignment. That's why Paul says in Romans 12 to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renew. Everybody said the renewing. I didn't hear everybody. He said the renewing of your mind. All right? Paul said, let in Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. So God wants our mind to be renewed after the image of Christ. Remember, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. But we do not begin to think like Christ automatically. We have to experience a process known as the renewing of our mind that comes from consistent exposure to the hearing, the study, and doing of what God's word says. Say amen. Alright, so we, we, we said that. Then we said that the secondary purpose of God, you know, we did those classifications, two classifications, to help us illustrate the truth. The first one has to do with being shaped into his image. And we said it's important you understand that. You're coming to church this morning in spite of fulfilling that purpose. Every day of the week you have a choice to make whether you're going to conform to his image or you're going to continue to be your image. Choices will come. Challenges will come. Situations will come. Are you going to choose and to submit to Christ or are you going to choose your way? John 3.30 says, He must increase, I must what? I must decrease. So when I'm tempted to walk in the flesh, I walk in the spirit. That's what Paul says. Walk in the spirit and you will not walk, fulfill the lust of the flesh. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? It means to choose the way of God, to choose the way of Christ, to be conforming to his image. And to walk in the spirit is a choice, is a choice of faith. Say amen. Say with me, say walking in the spirit is a choice of faith. I need you to hear yourself say that because some of you have not made that connection before. Say, walking in the spirit is a choice of faith. So when they say walk in the spirit, it's also talking about walking by faith because faith has to do with the spirit. And when you walk in the spirit, the more you walk in the spirit, the more you become more conforming to his image. And the Bible tells us what the fruits of the spirit are. They are already on the inside of you. You are to make choices that agree with them. God has already implanted in our human spirit, born again, human spirit, certain fruits that are reflection of the character of Christ that we possess. So when the opportunity comes to choose the flesh, what do we do? We choose the way of the spirit. Say amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That's what faith is all about. When you are tempted to act like you, what do you do? You act like Christ. You conform your behavior to what 1 Corinthians 13 says. Talking about the fruits of the spirit, the, the character of Christ. That love is kind, love is patient, not easily provoked. Hallelujah. Doesn't think ill of people. These are not what you are going to be. These are what you already are on the inside, but your soul needs to be conforming to them. Say amen. amen. Are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, so... That's very important you understand that. And we said if you don't know that your primary purpose is to be like Christ, you're going to produce a Christianity that is selfish, self-centered. You only go to church when it feels like going to church. You only serve God when it agrees with your time. You don't make any sacrifice. You do what you do because it's okay with you. But once it doesn't go okay with you, you can't make the decision for that. And you can't serve God that way. Hallelujah. We don't serve God on our terms. We serve God on his term. Praise the name of the Lord. Somebody say God is good. Then from there we went to the second or the secondary purpose we have in Christ which is according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10. The Bible says it very clearly that uh, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has ordained that we should walk in them. And we said there are two levels of good works. The first level applies to every believer. Say amen. Every believer. And Jesus tells us what they are. He said the works that I do shall you do also. 
Very, very, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. Is that not so? And, and we, he gives us what those works are. Uh, we looked at Luke chapter 10. He says he's given us authority to tread upon serpent and scorpion and over all the powers of the enemy. So we have authority to cast out devil. And nothing shall by any means harm us. Now, in Matthew chapter 10, he said, cast out devils, cleanse the leper, heal the sick, raise the dead. Is that not so? Freely you have received, freely give. If Jesus did it, I can do it. Say amen. That should be the mindset. If Jesus did it, I can do what? I can do that. Because he gave me his faith. Galatians 2.20 says that uh, we've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, not yet I, but Christ lives in me. And we live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Say, I have the faith of Christ. Say it louder. Say, I have the faith of Christ. Therefore, I can do his works. And I told you this, the key to doing the works is to understand that the power of God is ever ready and the name of Jesus is ever ready. Do you understand that? Hello? The power of God is what? Ever ready. And the name of Jesus is what? Ever ready. It doesn't depend on your preparedness. The power of the name doesn't depend on your preparedness. It depends on the power of Christ's position, which is the place of all power and authority in heaven. So you have the authority to use the name of Jesus as a believer and make sure you're using that. Say amen. Then we now said also the second level of good works that we have been created to do refers to those specific good works. Everybody says specific good works. Now we said this doesn't apply to everybody. This has to do with areas where God has uniquely called us, gifted us, and graced us. Say amen. Is that clear? We all have unique gifting of grace. And I'm going to show you that. Just a little bit of that, then I'm going to go to where I want to go today. Say amen. We looked at an example from Paul and said that he was called to be an apostle, was called to be a preacher or an evangelist and a teacher. He said that in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. So he knew what God had called him to do. Say amen. So we said it's important that we all recognize that God has given us unique gifting. There's a reason why God has given you certain talents, certain giftings that you have. There's a reason for that. And I also said that God gave us a prayer point through Apostle Paul that any who desire to discover those unique areas where God has gifted you to serve him, must keep praying that prayer. Lord, fill me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Say amen. amen. Alright, so um, we give an example of what we call the five-fold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4 and there is a statement that is used and, they, and he gave some apostles, some prophets. What does that tell you? Not everybody is a prophet. Is that not so? Did you hear what I said? Why? Because not everybody is called to be a prophet. For you to be a prophet, you have to be called. It's not because I can read your data. Uh -uh. Mm. No. I don't, know what that, I don't know where that even comes from. A scriptural prophet is called into that place of grace and is given a grace to function. And in case you don't understand, there's a difference between a New Testament prophet and an Old Testament prophet. Uh, the Old Testament prophet is different from the New Testament prophet. In the Old Testament... The prophet of the old, where you, they were the sole instrument of direction. When people wanted direction from where they go and meet them. They were called seers in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the prophet is not the sole direction. The prophet's ministry is to confirm what the Holy Ghost is telling you in your spirit. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? I don't think you heard me. The prophetic ministry in the Old Testament is to confirm. Why? Because in the New Testament, the direction from God is available to all believers through the Spirit. That's why it says, um, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? They are the sons of God. So the Holy Ghost is inside each and every one of us. And if you are active in your fellowship with God, in your prayer life, 
in your Bible life, in, in, in your, your, your Christian life, you're going to be hearing the Holy Ghost that will be giving you instructions and directions for your life. Say amen. amen. I didn't hear everybody. Amen. I did not hear everybody. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you've read my book, Spirit and Power Living, you will see it there. Many believers don't understand it. And if you hear some people who claim they are prophets, when they, when they speak, they don't balance the prophetic ministry with the New Testament. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, certain things were rearranged in terms of the structuring and administration of the body of Christ in the earth. And you need to understand that. Except you're not a Bible person. Then anybody can just come and lie to you and tell you nonsense. Are you listening to what I'm saying? In the New Testament, the Holy Ghost in you confirms, approves, lets you know if a word that has been given to you is of God or not. Are you listening to me? That's why you carry the Holy Ghost. Sometimes somebody will say something to you and, and you, you sense a check in your spirit that this is not from God. Maybe because of respect you will not talk. Because some of the games some people play, I mean, I mean game, I use the word game. I'm not saying that God cannot speak. We have cases in the Bible where Jesus could tell you specific details of your life and, and that, that's nothing. It doesn't make you outstanding. It doesn't make you strange. The whole essence of the gifting is to serve the purposes of the Christ or the kingdom in the earth. It's not to show off that you're some kind, powerful, awesome man. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Part of our challenge we have in Africa here is that we, we, just like America, we like hero worship. We like to idolize people. And because of that, we've placed people on a pedestal that even God, we don't respect God the way we respect some people. Or the, some people we call the man of God. Respect me, but don't respect me more than you respect God. Do you understand that? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yeah, because that would be error. And if you take God's place, God will take you out of your place. So don't ever make that mistake. Hallelujah. Alright, so there are some that are called to be apostles. There are some that are called to be prophets. There are some that are called to be uh, evangelists. There are some that are called to be pastors and teachers. Not everybody is called into that ministry. If you're called, you will know. How will you know? Because the Holy Ghost will tell you. You're not one because they anointed you, say, from today I anoint you as a pastor. Eh -eh. That one is administrative pastor. You are not a called pastor. You are just an, a commissioned to fulfill a task. You don't anoint people into where the Holy Ghost calls you for. Did you hear what I said? Hello? Uh -huh. Say so you've been trying. We'll make you pastor from tomorrow. You are not God. You don't have power to do that. How do I know? Let me give you an example. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Hallelujah. Verse 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. I don't want to focus on it because I'm going somewhere with this this morning. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Are you there? What did the Bible say? He said, Paul, a what? A servant of Jesus Christ called to be what called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of god how did paul become an apostle he was called is that not so who called him he was called according to the will of god in some of his letters, you see paul an apostle not according to the will of man but according to the will of god because each of the offices are offices of grace and the only one who has the right to call you is Jesus. And Jesus gives us according to the grace he has put in our lives. Say amen. We're looking at those areas of good works where God has uniquely gifted us. Go to Romans chapter 12, everybody. Romans chapter 12 from verse 6. And so I'm going to show you this, then I'm going to um, go into how, how do we now respond to our seasonal preparation. Because this area of those specific good works will make us understand and appreciate the role of seasonal preparation. Remember, when we started talking about seasonal preparation, we defined purpose and we defined season, and we connected season and purpose together. Is that not so? And that God's season 
It's a period or moment in destiny where he has shadowed certain things he had proposed to happen. So, and God deals with our life according to seasons. Say amen. Look at your number. Say God has a season for your life. Hallelujah. A season is where certain shadowed purposes are designed to take place. And the Holy Ghost is in charge of every season. He knows when every season is due. That's what we're talking about, seasonal preparation. All right? All right, Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Are you there? I'm reading from New King James Version. So you can just to reduce the D's and the D's a little bit. Same thing anyway. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. It says, having then gifts. Everybody say gifts. This is talking to the entire body of Christ. But it's, it's addressing those areas where we are uniquely gifted. Everybody say uniquely gifted. That word gift is the Greek word charisma. And the word charisma is the same word as grace. Everybody say grace. It's called divine gratuity. It's an endowment of grace, a gift of grace. That means you didn't work for it. You didn't apply it. You didn't ask for it in prayer. Now, there is a, there's an aspect of the manifestation of God you can ask for and desire, which are the nine gifts of the Spirit. Remember, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, covet earnestly the best gift. And is that not so? So, that one you can ask and you can covet. Say amen. You can, anybody, whether you are an apostle or a prophet, or you're not even called, now, if you're called, there are certain gifts that will be very frequent based on your call. For instance, if you're a prophet, you're going to have consistent operation of the word of knowledge. You're going to have consistent operation of designing of spirit. It's going to be more in your ministry because if you're a prophet. You're going to have such manifestation because of your calling. But if you're an evangelist, you're going to operate more on the power gift. You're going to operate in the gift of faith. You're going to operate in the gift of um, healing and working of miracle. Praise the Lord. Alright? If you're a pastor, you're going to operate more on word of knowledge because you're more of a shepherd. That's what you're called. If you're an apostle, each of those nine gifts of the Spirit, they operate according to the callings that the people have. Depending on the calling that God has given to them in ministry. But in addition to that, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible states that we can desire the manifestations of the Spirit. You know, there are three categories. There's the revelatory gift, there is the utterance gift, and there is the power gift. You can desire to flow in any of them. They're available to any of us. But when it comes to the ministry gift, you can't ask for it. God chooses that one. Say amen. amen. Did you hear what I said? God does what? He chooses who he puts there. According to your purpose. His purpose for your life. Now, in this area we're looking at, we're looking at those areas God has uniquely gifted us. Look at your number say, you have a gift. That word gift means a gift of grace. Gift differing according to the grace. That is what? Given to us. You have a gift according to the grace that is given to us. And I'm going to read what the Bible lists. And I don't want you to bother yourself about, you know, so how do I know whether my own is prophecy? The Holy Ghost will take care of that. But just know what they are. It says, let us um, use them if prophecy... Which translation is this one? If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Okay. Alright. Let me read New King James, the one I'm using. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry. Everybody say ministry. The word ministry, they mean service. And this is broad. Because it depends on the area where God has called you to serve. Singing is one of the aspects of the ministry gift. Because the Greek word for ministry here means service. When you sing, when God gives you a voice to sing, it's simply calling you as a ministry gift. You are a support gift in the body of Christ. Say Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and you will know if you're gifted, if you can sing. God will give you a voice for that. Then there are some people, no matter how much you train them, <laughs> if I can sing more than them. You know what I mean by that. 
The only person their voice can minister to is between them and Jesus. Do you understand that? They don't give the microphone to stand in front of crowd because they are not graced in that area. And if you know you are not graced in that area, be comfortable with yourself. Amen? Do you understand what I mean? Anything God has not gifted you for should not be your problem. That means what he shadowed you for is different. Say amen. See, we live in a world where we like to copy. We think when people are popular, they are more important. So everybody wants to be like them. Everybody wants to speak like them. Everybody wants to act like them. The problem with trying to be like other people is that you end up denying yourself. God didn't make two of you. He made only one of you. And you must be comfortable with what God has given you to serve in the house of God. Say, I have a gift. Say, I have a gift. One of the ways you will know that you have a gift, it comes natural with you. Now, let, let, let's read some other things he said there. He said, let us wait on our ministry or in serving. Or he that teacheth on teaching. The word teaching means illustrators. Everybody say illustrators. There are people that have this unique, this unique grace. They can take what the pastor preach and they can illustrate it to everybody. They have a way of putting it together so everybody can get it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That, that's what the Bible is called teaching here. Yeah. They, they are like illustrators. They know. Once you're saying, they, they, there's this, just like when the Bible says, God gifted Basila wisdom. They, their grace has a way of bringing things together, things that seem to look complex, they can simplify it and show you. Not everybody can do that. There are some people, all they can do is complicate things. But there are some, they can simplify it. They illustrate it. So they can take a message and illustrate it. Hallelujah. Alright. Then, or he that exalted. This word exalt is actually from the word to charge or to encourage. These ones, they, they, they can, when they talk for five minutes, they can so tear you up. They will stay. They can't preach for one hour. But if they talk for five minutes, ten minutes, the grace that is upon them can charge you, motivate you, encourage you to a point that you are stirred up. Just like when Gamaliel spoke for like a few minutes. Those words became eternal. And people still remember them till today. And those people that are there in church, some of them can function as drama groups. They can put the wisdom of God in them and they can serve as dramas. Dramatize truths and principles that have been taught. It's a gifting of grace. Say amen. amen. Alright. Then he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. See the word giveth means everybody is called to give. But there are those God has gifted to be givers. And if you are a giver, you will know. Number one, you will not be stingy. Hallelujah. Stinginess is not good on any level. When you are very smart and you are always positioning yourself to only collect and collect and collect. Remember the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to what? And to receive. Victimizing yourself because you want to collect from people all the time, it's, it's stingy. Alright? And I always say this, to, be, to give, really, it doesn't, be, it doesn't begin with how much you have. It just begins with a heart. Because liberality is a heart thing. When you are a giver, there will always be a seed around you that you can use to make a difference. Am I making any sense? Alright, so if, if God has called you into that area of gifting, you know. He said, then he that rule. The word rule here, yeah, it's the Greek word administrators. The, one of the English translations of the word is superintendent. I don't know what for superintendent are administrators. Their job is to administer table ministry in the church. Remember when they came to the apostle and they had an issue with distribution of food in church, which was an administrative problem. He said, look among yourself. That was where they created the deacons for. Today, African tradition has turned deacon to political title. When they want to ordain people ticket, they will send for their village people to come to town. That they want to be, they will now put big certificate. In our church here, we don't give you certificate because it's a service thing. Bible days, they didn't give certificate, so we don't give it. It's not an achievement. Is a call to greater service. Say amen. amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying? All right. So 
it, we, we always try to inject our Africanism into principles. And by doing that, we take out the purpose of God for it and turn it into something else. Right? So there are those who are administrators. Their job is to ensure that everything that is uh, to make for, for the effective delivery of the word and prayer is run effectively. That's why we created an admin department. Their job is to manage and supervise all the other departments. So the pastor can focus his mind because his primary calling is to feed the sheep. That's what Jesus called. He said, if you love me, what do you do? Feed my sheep. Is that not so? Yeah, feed my sheep. That's my calling. My calling is to feed you God's word. That's all. Anything outside of that is Jara. My primary assignment is to feed. Because it's the diet you receive that will determine how robust your spiritual life will be. Say amen. Did you hear what I said? Alright, so he said, He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, this word cheerful, I was meditating on it. The word cheerful there, these are people God has given uniqueness. Now, listen to this. Some of you can't stand certain situations, not because you're a bad person. It's not because you don't have grace for that. There are people that look at certain situations, they can easily give up. Maybe because of they are not developed effectively. But even if they are developed, there's a limit to which they can get involved. The word cheerful there is actually from the word compassion. These are people who, when other people give up, they don't give up. These are people that will be good heads for Inspire 12. Because they have a grace from the Spirit of God that enables them to be compassionate. What would turn some of you off wouldn't turn them off. They can do some things you can't do. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, because that's what God has given them grace for. The reason I went through this shortly is to let you understand we all have areas of gifting. One of the areas of gifting that is also falls under ministry gift, which is service, is writing. If you have a gift of writing, then when, when any department in church that enables you to write. Serve there. If you can sing, sing there. If you can serve, look for where you, your gifting is natural. And you can do it with joy. Without complaint. Don't say I don't have anything. You know, some people, they, they choose department according to their convenience. The kind of job they are doing. If it will help them, fine. Now, if you are choosing according to convenience, you are being selfish. You are putting your interests above God's interests. And if you are going to work with God, divine priority must always, I mean, divine interest must always remain priority over private interest. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this. The Holy Ghost knows our area of grace and gifting. He knows. Because your area of gifting is your area of grace. The Holy Ghost knows. As we fellowship with him. That's why you must have a fellowship life. Someone said that one of the signs that your Christianity is healthy. Is that when you wake up in the morning. What is the first thing that comes to your mind? For some of you it's your phone. You want to check something. Not because you have anything specific in mind. You just pick the phone. It has become a habit. So the phone is more or less like your darling. Once you wake up, you pick it. You must open it. You must look at something. From one thing, you look to another thing. Before you know, 45 minutes has passed. But when I wake up in the morning, the first thing that comes to my mind is Jesus. And he knows. First thing that comes to my mind is I want to fellowship with him. He just woke me up for another day. So the first person I want to talk to is him. I don't want to just run out without having that first contact with him. And I don't do that because I'm a pastor. I do that because I'm a child of God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Don't, don't tell me it's your job. Don't, don't even go there. Don't go there at all. Say, no, it's my school. You don't, don't even try that. God should be first place. Jesus will wake up very early in the morning and will spend time with the Father, get clarity, direction for the day before the disciples wake up. Because for years they've developed a habit of sleeping, so they've become heavyweight sleepers. When Jesus needed them to pray with him, they slept. Because they had not learned the discipline 
Praise God. After they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, they learned it. Say amen. Glory to God. So as we fellowship with the Holy Ghost, he will reveal to us those areas we can serve the Lord with our unique gifting. I knew I could preach. Nobody taught me. I just knew. I discovered it. I discovered it watching people preach. And I found that I could do the same thing. And if you carry a microphone and give to me and wake me in the middle of the night, I, can, I, don't have to, I don't need a special time to prepare to preach. If I open my mouth, I'll preach because I'm gifted. It's part of my calling. It's part of my DNA. It's part of my makeup. I know that. So if I'm going to do anything, anything I'm going to do that will not flow with my gifting is like swimming against the current. Have you tried swimming? Those of you that know how to swim. To swim against the current is a difficult task. Because your gifting is the currency of your life. It's the flow, where the flow of grace is in your life. And if you're doing things that I get, that's why you're always frustrated. That's when somebody do something to you, it will pay you, you, everything will go on vacation because you're angry. Ask the Holy Spirit, he will show you those areas. Hallelujah, somebody say God is good. God, the Holy Ghost will show you those specific areas. Because those specific areas, they are part of your gifting and your calling. Glory to God. I say glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Alright. Now, how do we respond to our seasonal purpose? I started by connecting purpose and season. We said purpose is the reason for the creation or the existence of a thing. Why season has to do with a shadowed period in which God, in a shadowed period in destiny, where God has programmed certain purposes to play out. That's the connection between season and purpose. Now, every season of our life is connected with a gifting in our life. There are some times you will never know that you are gifted in an area until you step into a season. I didn't know I could write for years. Even though I could scribble things here and there. But after a while, I knew I could write. When God spoke to me, he said, it's time for you to get the books that I've put in your spirit out. So I knew. Hallelujah. I knew I could do that. I can worship. I can sing to an extent. But I'm not called to be a singer. That's not my calling. I can sing. Oh. All our family people, we can sing. My dad can sing very well. So maybe by association, we picked out, we all picked that DNA from him. So to an extent, we can sing. Because my father is musical. I can worship God, I can sing to an extent. Everybody say to an extent. But I know where it stops for me. When it stops, then I stop there. I don't go beyond that. Hallelujah. How do we respond to our seasonal purpose? Tell your neighbor that there is a seasonal purpose of God for your life. Say it again. See, let, let's stop living life by accident. Let's stop living life by convenience. Some of us just think life is just, you know, you wake up every morning and you just keep going. Then, you know, you have a job, you get married. You have not been married for a while, so you are frustrated. You don't have a husband. Now you have a husband. You are frustrated that the man is disturbing you and what, disturbing your life. Same thing for the man. Then you have children. After you have children, you now struggle to train them. They go to university. They go to school. They now leave you. You are free. You are not together. My children are not settled. The next is to settle down and die. That's a very horrible way to live. That's not the way God created us to live. There's more to our life than that. I know that there are certain routines about life that the system of this world has given to all men. There's a routine about life. And if you don't fit into that routine, you are perceived as someone who is not doing anything important with your life. That's a lie. God has a purpose and a plan for our life. And there are seasons attached to every purpose of God for our life. How do we respond to the seasonal purpose? Let me show you some scriptures quickly. Go to Proverbs chapter 23 verse 14. These scriptures I'm about to show you, about three or four of them, proves to you and me that God has a seasonal purpose of God for our life. Job 23, verse 14. Quickly. You need to be fast here for time's sake. Job 23, verse 14. The Bible says, He performed, you know, King Jesus performed what? 
T-H-S. He performs. That means it is God's sovereign responsibility to do, to perform. He performs the thing that is what? Appointed for me. The word appointed means shadowed, ordained. And many such things are with him. Did you see that in the Bible? Did you see that in the Bible? He performed the thing that is appointed for me. What is appointed? Shadowed. Something that has been ordained. It agrees with Philippians, uh, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto every good works which God has ordained for us that we should do what? Walk in them. Glory to God. So the Bible says God performs them. So God knows when the appointment is. Say amen. He knows when the appointment is. He knows where, what is appointed and he knows what the appointment is and he knows the things that he has appointed for the appointment. And he also knows that he's the one that performs them too. Say amen. amen. Glory to God. Alright, let's go to Psalm 31 verse 15. Make sure you're paying attention. Psalm 31 verse 15. I'll, I'll, I'll show you as we go that most of the secret frustration many of us are having and that sense of lack of fulfillment, that sense of lack of contentment is because we are living against our purpose. We are swimming against the current. You, are, you have adopted a mode of life that is against God's arrangement for you. You've adopted the routine of living that is against the routine of God's purpose for your life. That's why you're not operating in joy. That's why your value system is different. Because if you adopt the routine of the world, then you'll be chasing what they are chasing. And if you don't have what they have, you feel that, you know, nothing is happening to me. Your value system will be different. Your expectations will be different. But I'm showing you the kingdom life that has been offered to you in Christ. Say amen. amen. Psalm 31 verse 15. It says, my times. Did you see the word times there? It's in plural. That word times is the same word for seasons. Yeah, I think the Greek word, the Hebrew word for that is it. E-T-H. It. My seasons. Everybody say my seasons. Are you paying attention? My seasons are where? Where? In the, who, whose hand? Praise God. And deliver me from the hand of my enemy and from them that persecute me. There are two hands there. One is the hand of God. The other one is the hand of what? Now, where are your seasons located? Sorry? Alright, so, you know when people say, and the devil stole his destiny. The devil cannot steal what he doesn't have. You know, some of us have some rhymes and language we use that are unscriptural. Say, the devil now stole his destiny, now stole his star. Where did you learn all those kind of statements from? Where did you say he stole his star from? How, how can you steal what you don't have? Hello? Are, are, you, are you with me? Can you steal what you don't have? Answer me now. You can't steal what you don't have. You can't. And where it is hidden, Satan can enter. Your life is hid in Christ, in God. Now, if he can break that, let him try. So your secrets, or the secrets of your life, so to say, they are stored with God. They are in Christ. It's not where the devil can wake up one morning and say, I will spoil your life. He doesn't do that. What he tries to do is to sell you a substitute. Sell you on a time. Now, if you notice this, when God wants to elevate your life and move you to the next level, one of the things you'll begin to notice is that he will bring certain people into your life or bring you to certain people. Do you understand that? Also, when the devil wants to give you an alternative vision, he will bring you to people or bring people to you. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? That's what he does. Alright, my times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hand of my enemy. Why the hand of my enemy? Because my, the enemy also has his own time, has his own season, has his own plan. As an attempt to sidetrack you from discovering what God has scheduled for you. Say amen. Alright, let's go to the New Testament. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 to 11. We're looking at scriptures that establishes that God has a seasonal purpose of God for our life. Remember, we're talking about those areas where God has uniquely gifted and graced us for. Glory to God. Say amen. 
Say amen. amen. Some of you are in Abba. All right. First Corinthians 2, verse 9 to 11. Are you there? The Bible says, but as it is written, I had not seen, including Satan's eye, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath wrought, prepared for them that love him. Verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by who? By his spirit. So who reveals the things that are prepared? The, by the Holy Ghost. Is that not so? Who reveals the things that are prepared? All right. All right. Reveal them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches. That word searches is not like he doesn't know. He knows. The word searches means he knows the shadows. Everybody say he knows the shadows. Talk to me. Say he knows the shadows. The spirit searches all things. Yea, the deep things of God. Verse 11, everybody. Then he now tells us where it reveals his to. For what man knows the things of a man? What things is he talking about? He's talking about the things of destiny or purpose. For what man knoweth the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So you see a relationship connection between the spirit of God and our human spirit. Our human spirit is the reception point where the Holy Ghost reveals to us from time to time the things that has been shadowed for our lives. Say a good amen. amen. Say a good amen. amen. Now go to Acts chapter 26. Let us see an example. Acts 26, 13 to verse 19. An example of how Paul was called into a seasonal purpose for his life. And Paul's seasonal purpose for his life was connected to the entire body of Christ. That was amazing. To the entire body of Christ. Because through him, more than half of the New Testament was written. That was his purpose. It was God's design that God was going to use him. And interestingly, you know, Paul wasn't among the 12 disciples that walked with Jesus when he was physically on earth. He wasn't. He was existing there. He was alive then. But he didn't know Jesus and never walked with him. He was a very religious man. But praise God, God located him. Say amen. Yeah. Acts chapter 26 from verse 13. Are you there? All right. He says, at midday, O king, I saw in the way or along the road while they were going to Damascus, a light from heaven. Above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when, are you paying attention? Please pay attention to this. And when we were all falling to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Jesus spoke Hebrew to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. The pricks is something that has tongues. What you call chukuchuku? You can't open your two eyes and go and use your leg to kick chukuchuku. You know what? You know, you know what that, it's like nails and a plant. Then you now say, I will kick it. Try it. Then come and tell us what happened. Verse 15. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Because if you touch my body, you touch me. Verse 16, he said, but rise, now pay attention to this, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. What was the purpose? To make thee a minister and a witness both of the things which thou hast seen and of the things, those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from what? From darkness 
to life. He's getting the detail of his assignment. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive what? Forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Then Paul now replied to King Agrippa. He said, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I wasn't disobedient to it. Hallelujah. That's why I said there are many of us who don't even care about discovering whether God has any unique purpose. Like we're not interested. We're just interested in surviving. And that's why there are certain things you may want that doesn't line up with God's purpose for your life. Pray from Nati that cannot come. You won't get them. Because if they enter your life, they'll fight God's will for your life. Say amen. As we walk with God, the Holy Ghost, who alone knows the counsel or the purposes of Christ for our life and is scheduled for us, would occasionally, listen to this, talking about responding to the seasonal purpose of God, will occasionally signal to our heart. What man knows the things of a man except what? The spirit. Same for the things of God, no man except the spirit of God. But the spirit has revealed them to us. Okay, so the Holy Ghost knows the counsel of Christ and his shadow for us would occasionally signal to our spirit when a particular season in our destiny is due for manifestation in our lives. Whenever we pick up such leading from God, there are certain wisdom we must engage in order to acknowledge them and position ourselves so we can accomplish whatever God requires from us for that season. We can learn from Paul. Some of you, are you paying attention? All right. Go to Galatians chapter 1. Don't get distracted. Galatians chapter 1. Because what I'm telling you something that is very critical. If you adopt a lifestyle that disagrees with God's purpose for your life, God has been showing you something, a vision, an idea, and everything to you, you simplify it to hustling and survivor, then you're swimming against God's current for your life. If there are anybody or people that should be so settled in life, should be the body of Christ. Because we, we should have a sense of direction. Because we have the Holy Ghost. We should have a sense of direction. We should stop living a trial by error life. I'm not in Portacourt because that's where I chose. I'm in Portacourt because destiny brought me here. That's why I'm here. I'm doing what I'm doing because that's what God told me to do. There should be that satisfaction and fulfillment that I'm living my life according to divine direction. Say amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying? There are some people that God ties your destiny with. And the Holy Ghost will tell you. When I told them in Sapphire almost how many years ago, hey guys, um, this phase I'm, I'm going to Portacol. God told me to go to Portacol. This is what he's telling me to do. One of the, I think the only person that came to meet me was Timothy. One of them, he said, sir. He said, God told me to follow you. I said, really? He said, yes. I said, I'm not starting immediately. He said, no. He said, but he said, where you are going is where I'm going. Whatever concerns you is what concerns me. That was bold. Because I didn't have anything to offer him. And it takes a man who is led by the Spirit to make such decision. As I came to Portacourt, you know my story very well. He came to Portacourt. He didn't come to my, say, okay, the Holy Spirit led me, so where will we stay? That's how some of you are. He didn't do that. He didn't even make any demand on me. Church had not started. Then, when I asked him, where are you staying? He now told me that there was a church. He was attending close to where he was trying to get something set up because of his skill. He was sleeping in the church. That's where he slept until he was able to get a house. Then he went to bring his family to Saple. And I remember when I went to prepare, it's one room, one room, just one room. There's toilet, bathroom, one room. That's where they were all staying. Myself and Perry were the ones that went to dedicate it. It didn't look like much. It wasn't big. But it was destiny. And I watched God change his life. Today he has three children in university. I hope you know. I hope you know. He has three. Faith, Joshua, and Emmanuel just entered. Three children. And God is taking care of three of them. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 1. 
Galatians chapter 1. When you, when you walk according to direction, you, you live a very calm life. Nobody can hustle you. Nobody can tempt you. Make you have long throat for what God has not given you. You just know this is where God has placed me and I'm okay with it. I know this is where God wants me to be. Once you understand that, you apply yourself to it and the graces of God will begin to unfold in your life. The problem with many of us is that we are driven by comfort and convenience. We're looking for comfort and convenience, not guidance from God. Galatians 1. Let me read that before I stop. You see how God signaled Paul to a particular season of his life and how he prepared for it. We're going to take that in second service. But let's read Galatians 1 from verse 11. What did he say? He said, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I thought it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in time past, in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jewish religion above my, many my equal in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. But when it pleased God, who separated... Did you see that? Paul had a sense of destiny. When it pleased God, meaning when the season came. When it pleased God, why did it please God? Because the season came. When it pleased God, who separated me? Even though he was called for it right from the time he was conceived in his mother's womb. It suggests strongly that God had a purpose for him that was bigger than what his education had given him. He said, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Verse 16, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately, everybody say immediately. I conferred not with flesh and blood because this is divine matters. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and then returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Let me conclude this quickly. When the season came for Paul to be called into his ordained purpose, the Lord Jesus and the Holy Ghost visited him on his way to Damascus. That was what he was referring to in verses 15 and verse 16. Also notice, when Paul sensed the new season he had been ushered into by the Lord, he commenced the required seasonal preparation to receive clarity and detail of God's purpose for that season. Verse 17 to 19 reveals this. Alright? Now, reveals his seasonal preparation and response to what God had said. It was through this preparation he received and understood his message, knew his gifting and his target audience that God has called him to reach. Let me say this. There will come a point in your life where you will live on the general scale. You're doing everything because everybody's doing it. You're doing the general hustling and everything. But a time will come if you're going to live a fulfilled life. If you're going to live an accomplished life. A life of purpose and power. You need to find out from the spirit what God is saying. Are you listening to me? You don't just do things because others are doing it. You don't go into a business venture because everybody's doing it. I remember when there was a boom of rubber latex in Sapple. Everybody, Tom, Dick, and Harry was going into the business. And I said something to them in fellowship. I said, you don't go into a venture because everybody is doing that. Ask the Holy Ghost if he has a provision for there, of, uh, a provision for you in that area. You don't just jump into it. Because if you don't, <laughs> brothers and sisters, you may end up regretting. It will do as if MMM do something to you. A testimony by uh, a man of God said he was lighting uh, matches. He wanted to put on the gas to do something in his kitchen. He struck the first matches. 
he didn't lie. Struck the second matches, he didn't lie. Struck the third matches, six match. Ah, he now said, "What's the meaning of this?" Then the Holy Ghost came to him. He said, "Tell your son that where he's working, he should resign fast. That in six months the company will fold up." Ah, he said, "God, how can I tell him that kind of man? He's a management staff." He said, "Tell him." So he called him. He said, "Look, what I want to tell you: go and pray and listen to God." But this is what he told me: that in six months the company you're working with will fold up. He said, I should tell you to resign from it now before it folds up. That if you wait, you will lose everything. Thank God he listened because he sensed that what he said was true. So when the next day dropped his letter, ah, they said, what is the problem? Why are you resigning? He said, don't worry. I just want to go. So because it was the management staff, they paid him all his gratuity, all the money. Six months later, the company folded up. And as he folded up, he folded with everything that the people that were remaining had. All their money folded up. Their gratuity folded up, their pension folded up, everything. So it turned out he was the only one who left six months ahead of time that got everything that was due to him. Rise upon your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.